0: All right, well, as I said, we're wrapping up the series. This is part six, Hold Fast to the Redeemer. Um, We've basically been talking about the Redeemer for five weeks now. Um, We began the series by talking about holding on to our king, letting him rule and reign in our lives and the importance of getting our identity from Jesus. Then we went from there and talked about the importance of holding on to each other, God's people, and being there for each other, investing in our relationships in one another. And then from there, we talked about God's grace. And holding on to his grace in our lives and how he empowers us, protects us, um, blesses us when we stay connected to him. And then the week after that, we talked about rest, that God has a rest that he wants to invite us into. Um, But it doesn't just happen by accident. The scripture teaches us to take hold of that rest, to be intentional, to receive from him what he has for us. He does the work, but we open the gift. And so he wants to invite us into rest. And then finally, last week, we looked at his promise and how we hold fast to his promise. And while Ruth was was absent from the story, Boaz rolled up his sleeves and he got to work arranging for the redemption of Naomi's land and the redemption of his new bride, Ruth. And so we're gonna close out this morning just briefly by looking at a few verses that just summarize the happy ending that tell us what has taken place. And I'm believing there's three things from this that we can get that we, we receive from our Redeemer as we hold on to him. So let's read this together. Ruth chapter four, beginning in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Yes, it happened. It happened. They went from desolate and poor and lost and just dragging themselves home to this incredible guy, Boaz, that shows up and he falls in love with Ruth and he gets to work and Ruth is faithful to him and they're married. I love that. We shouldn't too quickly go past these little verses in Scripture. I can just read that as, oh, yeah, okay, it happened. Boaz took Ruth as his wife. No, they threw a party. They had a celebration. I don't think a wedding has ever been described as quickly as one little sentence like that. They just got married. No, he he has a wife. It goes on, and and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. All right, they're having a kid. They're launching into parenthood. There should, like, be a Ruth part two that teaches us how they handled that. Um, But they launched into parenthood. It's exciting. Check this out. Verse 14, then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Yes, that David. I I added that part. But yeah, that David, Goliath killer, king of Israel, the one who it was said his his kingdom shall have no end, the David who's in the line of Jesus Christ, our eternal king, that David, grandson of Obed, great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Isn't it incredible the redemption that God brings about in the story of our lives. So, I want to just quickly look at three specific things that, that are received by Ruth and by Naomi in this story that my hope is that we can grab a hold of as we kind of wrap this thing up. Three things that the Redeemer wants to give us as we hold on to Him. And so, the first thing that He does is He, he gives us eternity, He gives us eternity. And with eternity comes hope. He gives us eternity. Check this out. So, so verse 13, right? Boaz takes Ruth as his wife. She conceives. She has this t- child. And if we go back just a few verses to something we covered last week, I want to remind you guys of this important truth. Ruth chapter 4, verse 10. This is Boaz talking about his intentions towards Ruth. And it says, Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses to this day, to this day. This child that was born to Boaz and to Ruth, he was gonna continue a Limelech's line. I know we're, I know we're going back like six weeks, but we started this, Naomi's married and she has a good life. She has a couple of sons. And then a famine comes along and she has to leave and her sons get married to to Ruth and and to Orpah and and then she begins to lose everything. Her husband dies and then some years pass and her sons die and she loses everything. But the process of redemption involves the continuance of the line of the one who has died. And so Elimelech and Naomi and, and Ruth and Malon, they now have a line that continues. Their name will not end. This is a beautiful picture of something that is true in God's kingdom. Our inheritance in Jesus Christ is eternal life. It's eternal life. Now, I know that truth. And if you've been around church for any amount of time, you've heard that truth. It's one thing to know it here. It's another thing to hold that and cherish that in our hearts. Because it means something. It doesn't just mean, okay, I guess one day I'll be in heaven. It means that every single thing that happens matters. And every single loss, every single wound has a purpose. It isn't forgotten. It's not meaningless. It's not years of my life that are just thrown away. It gets redeemed It has fresh purpose. God's investing in the future. Every lost thing isn't truly lost. In fact, one of the main places that we see this is in the oldest book of the Bible. Now, when I say oldest book of the Bible, it's very possible that your mind goes to Genesis. Genesis contains the record of some of the oldest moments in the Bible, right, back to creation. But the actual oldest book of the Bible, the first one written was the book of Job. And in the story of the book of Job, we have a man who was faithful, who loved God. Every indication is he lived a righteous life. And he was wealthy, and he had a lot of kids. And then essentially in one day, it all fell apart. The roof falls in where his kids are. Thieves and robbers come and steal this. Other people come and burn this. And he loses his crops. He loses his animals. He loses his possessions. And he loses his children. Gone. In a blink. It's like one of the worst imaginable things that could ever happen. I mean, when your life is looking rough, just go read the first few verses of the book of Job. And you'll go, oh man, okay, that's really rough. This guy lost it all. But, but I want you to see something in the book of Job. So we're actually going to read this together for just a minute. The way the book opens, Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, describes this life that Job had. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. This is a good man. The description of Job sounds a lot, actually, like the description of Boaz that we read several weeks ago. And there were born to him seven sons and three daughters. How many kids is that? Ten. Ten. All right, good. See, I just have six. I'm not that I'm not that crazy. Seven sons, three daughters. Verse 3. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Okay, so there's all these numbers. Those are fairly meaningless to me. I mean, 7,000 sheep, that sounds like a lot. I personally am not a shepherd. I I don't have, like, some animals on the back 40. I've got two dogs running around the backyard. That's all I've got. But he's got this huge number. Now, Now I want you to see something. We're, we're going to skip the whole story. He, he loses everything. He's in mourning. His friends show up, and they were doing really good the first little bit of time they were there because they kept their mouth closed. And then they started talking, and he started getting kind of beat up by his friends. It was kind of miserable. And then eventually, God begins to deal with Job. And Job has this this interaction with the Lord where he sees him for who he really is and he begins to to worship him and he even repents of just some of the, the anger and frustration that was in his heart. And at the end of the story, God begins to work to redeem Job's life. And the scripture describes what came back to Job. Job chapter 42, verses 12 and 13. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep. Remember how many he had a minute ago? 7,000. He had 14,000 sheep. He had 6,000 camels, in case you weren't paying attention. He had 3,000 before. He had 1,000 yoke of oxen instead of 500. 1,000 female donkeys instead of 500. And he had also seven sons and three daughters. Now this is why it's important to pay attention to every detail in Scripture. All of the earthly possessions that Job had lost, he received back double. double. Of the children that Job had lost, what did he receive back? Double. Because those 10 kids are still his. Because eternal life is real. God did double his children. And as he received those 10 even in the receiving of of what's here right now, it was a reminder and a reflection of what was real that was there waiting on him. God said, Job, I'm giving you double. We've got to start viewing eternity that way. Where where the things that God is handing me right here, right now, I see them as a reflection of the promise that's coming one day. See, sometimes I need like this tangible thing that I can hold on to because this feels real. And eternity doesn't. And I love that God handed him back some possessions and gave him some kids, and it was a tangible reminder, something to get his hands on that would remind him of the reality of what existed for him for all eternity. Those kids are his. And our our life, our time here on this planet, I mean, I have stretches that feel like eternity, that feel rough and they're lasting a long time and I'm wondering when they're gonna end. But the reality is this life is a blink. It's a blink. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but I've just been reflecting on the fact that in January, it's gonna be two years being here in Knoxville. And I tend to think of this as being brand new still to me, and it's not. Like two years have gone like that. This life, it's a breath, it's a wind, it's a whisper. But we are eternal beings, and in Jesus, our lives are redeemed forever. So those things that we have lost, those things that have been broken, they're never truly broken. And just to make sure you understand that Job recognized this, I want to read something to you. The first first place where the word redeemer shows up in the Bible because Job was written first is right here in Job chapter 19, verses 23 through 26. And I want you to take note, Job says this not at the end of the book, not after everything has been repaired. This quote is when he's right in the middle of the most devastating part right as his friends have been kind of telling him maybe it's even his fault that he lost all this stuff. And right in the middle of that, this is what Job says. Job 19, verses 23 through 26. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Well, that happened. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Job believed in Jesus. Job believed that there would be a redeemer that he would see. And he knew he was talking about some distant moment in the future. He said at the last, he's going to stand on the earth. He even says, my skin has been destroyed. He's describing his death. And yet he's saying, in the flesh, I'm going to see him. Job believed in eternal life and he believed in a redeemer. And that is the same redeemer that is reflected in the story of Ruth and Boaz. After the loss of her husband and her sons, God gives this child to Ruth. And that child is then described as belonging to Naomi. It was a gift to her. This grandson was a gift to her to... To not only bless her right then, but as a reminder of what's real and what's eternal and what lasts forever. And so she holds on to that child. So let's hold fast to eternity. Secondly, let's hold fast to new life today. Today. Look at this again. Verse 14 and 15. Then the women said to Naomi... Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. So they say, hey, isn't this great? God gave you a Redeemer. Now, who has been the Redeemer throughout the story of Ruth? Boaz, right? Y'all been tracking with that, okay? Boaz is the Redeemer, and that's right. That's accurate. He is in the role of the Redeemer. But notice what her friends say to her. Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you, this Redeemer shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to who him? The son. Who's the son? Naomi's Redeemer. Naomi's Redeemer is the child. How cool is that? I love that. Boaz absolutely was the redeemer for Ruth. But see, God actually used multiple people in Naomi's life to redeem her. Boaz shows up and does the work. Really, this even describes that on some level, Ruth is acting like a redeemer in her life. She's been better to Naomi than seven sons. In the Jewish culture, for people to be gathering around and saying, that gal is better to you than seven sons, that's a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. We're not gonna get into all of the the background and history behind why male children were so valued and passing down the family name and the inheritance and all of that. These people are in awe of the role that Ruth has played in her mother-in-law's life. And they're saying, she's better to you than seven sons. So in some ways, Ruth got to participate in this. I just wanna stop as an aside and say, as the body of Christ, God wants us to participate and the redemptive work that he's doing. He is capital T, capital R, the redeemer, but we get to play a role as his bride in bringing redemption into the life of others. I wanna participate with that. I wanna be that kind of person that gets to participate in the redemptive work God wants to do in the lives of others. And then finally, Naomi receives this child. Here's this child given to her She's the grandmother. And yet they're saying, this kid is like your son here. And so she's holding on. She embraces this child. Now listen, I think this is massively important. And, and I, don't know, I don't know how to give this away. I don't. And part of it is because I don't know how to receive it. I'm just being honest with you. But I, I am certain, I am aware. I can reflect back at seasons in my life that were so difficult, so challenging, so hard. Things had been lost. Things had been broken. And I reached a point where I was so conscious of that that I was unable to receive the the new thing today God wanted to place in my lap. I was looking back at the loss and not seeing how God wanted to redeem. There's a child. There's a new life that God wants to place in our lap. Will we receive it? Or am I going to let my my losses, my struggles, my pains robbed me of the new thing God wants to do today. Listen, it would have been easy for Naomi to still be bitter after all this. I'm still not married. That ain't my kid. That's his kid. That's Boaz's kid. Great, I guess I got a place to live now. I've got to mooch off of them the rest of my life because it's really Boaz's. Like, I mean, we've never met anybody that thinks that way. I've never thought that way. Just finding the negative in everything. Like she easily could have missed out on the gift that God wanted to give her. But instead, she received the child. Look at verses 16 and 17. They declare this to her. This this child will be a nourisher of your old age. A restorer of life. The very thing that you have lost, God wants to redeem in a fresh new way with this gift. And Naomi receives it. Verse 16 Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. We need to hold fast to the child. We need to hold fast to the child. Now, I believe big picture, that's Jesus. Unto us, a child has been born. Unto us a son has been given. It wasn't Naomi's actual birth child, but it was her kid. But notice what she does. She nurses it. She cherishes. She protects. We, we've been given something. Jesus has given us himself. And there are also specific seasons in life where he wants to hand something to you, place something in your lap, some way that he wants to redeem or heal or restore Will I receive it? And will I cherish it? Will I nourish it? There's a mystery that I don't understand. I can't wrap my head around this. Why in the world did God take the risk of coming as a baby? That's risky. Like somebody had to take care of Jesus. Somebody had to change those diapers. Somebody had to deal with that cough, that cold. Like someone had to take care of him. There is this This strange dynamic where all at once, Mary is holding the one who will save her, and yet if she doesn't take care of that baby, he's in trouble. He had to be protected. He had to be cared for. I don't know what all is in that mystery, but I know some things I can learn from it. God wants to place some things into my lap that will restore my life, that will be new life to me. But will I protect them And cherish them. Will I nourish it? And I, I think the secret is in the child's name. Obed's name means worshiper. You know how we cherish what God gives us? We worship him. We have gratitude. We have thanks. We acknowledge it. We acknowledge it. I can tell you as a parent, there is nothing more frustrating than giving my kid a gift and them like not giving a rip about it. It's, it's discouraging. It's heartbreaking. It's like, but like you wanted this so badly and you just tossed it away like it was nothing. I wonder how often our Father in Heaven is going, hey, I've got a great gift I want to place in your lap. Will you see it? Will you acknowledge it? Will you thank me for it? And it's then that we can really open up, unwrap what he has for us. And so we worship. And so I, I kind of referenced this already, but... I want us to learn a lesson this morning in closing from from the shepherds because they experienced this same thing Naomi did, a child being born to them that wasn't really their child. And I know it's not Christmas yet, so maybe I'm not allowed to read Luke chapter 2 when it isn't Christmas. Um, But in Luke chapter 2, the angels have showed up on the scene. They're declaring this good news to the shepherds in this field and listen to what they say to them. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 The angel said to them Fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord There's the baby being born in Bethlehem hometown of Ruth and Boaz and Obed and David and on down the line And now today, the child is born, and he's born to you, you shepherds, and he's born to the whole world, to you and I. Verse 12, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. What did the shepherds do? Oh, man, that was weird. I wonder if that was just a strange dream. I did eat eat something a little funky. Maybe that just kind of, I don't know. Like, did they blow it off? Did they ignore it? What did they do? Y'all know the story. I think they ran, right? They ran to see the child. All right, we're going to talk about the nativity a little bit at Christmas this year. Just make sure we got that information. They ran. They took the angels at their word and they're like, we got to check this out. We got to see this for ourselves if this thing is real. And so they run and they behold the child for themselves and they see there he is. There's the baby that's born to us. I mean, this is a weird scene. We've got some ladies in our church having children. How weird would it be if 20 strangers ran into the room and where's this kid that was born to us? We're like, we're calling security fast, right? This is strange, but it's Jesus. He's the child for each and every one of us. And so so the shepherds run in, they see him and they celebrate and, and they leave. They go back to their life. They still have a life to lead, but look at how they go back. Luke 2, verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The child that God wants to give us holds the key to joy and to purpose. He holds the key for that. He's good news. God's redemption story is good news. It doesn't mean all the steps along the way are good. But what he works, what he weaves in the midst of our hard seasons, he's telling a story that has a beautiful ending that points to eternal life in the future. He wants to give me something new today from him and he wants to give me himself. He's the child that I can hold and cherish. And so what do I do? How do I walk this out? I wanna just give you a couple of questions to consider Um, and then I'm going to pray for us. Some questions to consider. Is there room in your life for good news of great joy? Is there room? Could God hand you that today? Can you believe that all the losses are redeemed in him? Like, think about it. Real ones that you've faced. Ones you're going through. Do I believe those can be redeemed in Jesus? Will you embrace new life when he places it in your lap? Can we hold fast to the child? True worshipers see the story as it unfolds all the while with an eye towards eternity. And we hold on to Jesus through it all. And then we hold on to the redemption that's in our lap and we worship. We worship. Let him tell the whole story. If your season right now is the hard one, keep an eye on eternity. Hold on to Jesus and worship him. But like hold on kind of like this so that when God has that new thing he wants to place, you can receive it and you can hold on. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We thank you that you are our redeemer. We thank you for eternal life that we have in you. God, we thank you that you are telling a story in our lives and you are working to redeem both in the future and right now. And so, Lord, in the midst of all of it, we hold on to you. We treasure you. We remember you. And we worship you together this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.